Greetings, everyone, on the podcast and um, all my congregants at the Pilgrim Church of the Firstborn in Toronto. We are about to embark on a study tonight. This the 15th day, Thursday of July 2021. I'm Reverend Dr. Gene Archer, pastor of the Pilgrim Church of the Firstborn in Toronto. And um, we are doing our ongoing study on the teachings of Jesus. Um, and we are in the book of Matthew. But I usually, not all the time, um, not deviate, but deal with some pressing issues, issues as the Lord would lay on my heart. Um, and tie that in with the ministry. Sometimes I might not get through to the actual text, but um, we just go as the Lord would lead us. Tonight, I'm going to do a, a, an overview study on homosexuality according to God. Homosexuality according to God. And the text that I'll be using is 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and verse 9, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 9. And that particular text is tucked away in a very difficult book, a book that is packed with problems. And it reads, Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, and verse 10 goes on to say, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And then verse 11 is very interesting. It says, and that is what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word, which stands written. And Lord, as we embark on this study, I pray, Lord, that you will help me through your Spirit to give clarity, more clarity to what your word teaches concerning homosexuality. And so, Lord, I commit my mind, my heart, and, and your word, O oh God, to the context of our present age. And may your word find root and bring not just information, but transformation in your direction and to your honor and glory. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, to set the stage, I know that uh, many of us have studied and understand biblically what homosexuality is. So th these could be reminders, but I, I feel just impressed to deal with it because of the preponderance of, of information that is bombarding or schools, YouTube, and, and so on about this particular agenda. And so this is an ongoing study. I, I've spoken on this already in the past, and um, I will just um, continue to speak about this. Before I do so, I, I sent our dear brother Marlon uh, a five-minute clip 
um, that many have maybe seen already, but I would like him to play it now just to um, before, and then I'll come back on and continue on. So, Brother Marlon, could you be kind enough to play that clip that I sent to you now? Thank you. With, but rather what you feel like in the moment. There's people that are boys, there's people that are girls. There are, peop there are people whose gender might be a little bit of both or might even be neither. Lessons include books about transgender children, such as 10,000 Dresses, and songs like The Rainbow Song. Gender won't decide the choices we make. Some boys like dressing up, some girls like catching snakes. The SOGI curriculum started in British Columbia in 2016 and is quickly spreading throughout Canada. I just thought, who decided that this was okay to teach our children? Author and inspirational speaker, Laura Lynn Tyler Thompson, is a leading voice against the SOGI curriculum. And we are seeing the results of that now because some kids are reacting very emotionally and saying, you know, and they're in fear. Will I be, you know, will I suddenly struggle with feeling like a different gender inside of my body? Carrie Simpson of Culture Guard, another leading opponent, calls the curriculum nothing short of child abuse. All those beautiful qualities that make young girls beautiful girls and women are being basically vilified. The things that make our boys boys are being, you know, taken from them. Um, so things of equating young men to being strong protectors is something that's now evil. But Morgan Auger, a transsexual and supporter, claims it's about acceptance, not indoctrination. The idea is to teach kids that there are gay kids and there are trans kids and there are trans parents and gay parents in our society and, the, and everybody's wanted and desired. After all, that's what our human rights code says and it's the role of schools to teach the, to teach the following of our laws, right? Simpson disagrees, saying she sees Soji's real goal as... Altering our culture from a heteronormative society into one where anything goes, no boundaries, no values, no morals. Um, it's a hedonistic uh, cult, basically, what they're Im implying. Another blaring example, drag queen story time. It's happening in Canada and America, where some public schools and libraries invite drag queens, some dressed like horned demons, to read to young children. And it's a social deconstructionist agenda. They're using children, little five-year-olds, to accomplish this. And parents are waking up and saying no. When asked about parents' rights, OJ says... Well, actually, in Canada, parents' rights are limited and children's rights are put ahead. So the child has the right to be protected from the parents when the parents behave badly. Canada is known as one of the most gay-friendly countries in the world, with many of their largest cities featuring their own gay villages, like here in Vancouver, which has literally rolled out the Rainbow Road. Most gays, like village resident Dave Davy DiCarlo, support SOGI and limiting parental rights. The change that we have to see is sometimes the parents and the kids are doing actually really okay. This is very scary stuff. Longtime Vancouver area pastor Kevin Cavanaugh says this is far more serious than most Canadian Christians realize. Our problem is not the teachers, the educators, the administrators. This is a battle in the heavenlies. He says Satan is going after their most vulnerable, the children. 
And the little, little girl came home in tears because the teacher had told her since she was playing with some toys in the class that were deemed to be masculine in nature that she was likely a boy in a girl's body. The mother went to the school the very next day, and instead of having any sort of tolerance or support or understanding, she was actually called names. She was told that she was a homophobe, that she was a bigot. With that in mind, Tyler Thompson, Simpson, and Pastor Kevin are spreading their message across social media and in town hall meetings. The pro-gay backlash has been fierce. And the hatred and the anger and the bullying that came against us, even though we said, we love you, we don't, uh, we don't take from you the opportunity and the freedom to live as you choose. We love you, but we do not agree with you. Pastor Kevin believes Canadian Christians are in a Second Chronicles 20 moment. The word was this, this battle is not yours, Jehoshaphat. This battle is the Lord's. And the church is beginning to prepare for what it takes to fight for our kids. The battle between an aggressive homosexual agenda and the faith community here in Canada is far from over. But many Christian leaders say it may be the issue that causes a once sleeping church to rise up and be heard. Wendy Griffith, CBN News, Vancouver. Thank you very much, Brother Marlon, for, for playing that clip. Despite the little technicalities, we got the message. And there are many more like that. Um, I agree with what you're saying, but I, agree, I disagree with some things. Um, let me just clarify this on my stance concerning this clip before I proceed. Um, it, one one of the persons said that um yeah we love you yes and but we, we, we're not taking anything we have a responsibility because of what is called corporate responsibility although the sinner is free from righteousness in the sense that um they, they can't do anything else but sin um yet still um we need to confront them about the truth of their lifestyle um it is our responsibility Jesus came and he spoke repentance and um and and he got a backlash yes and uh, um also it's important to note that we are um we are we need to of course the battle is the lords that's the second point but but that doesn't mean that we must not do anything we must pray but we must put forth the truth and the light of the truth to dispel the darkness we must push back in a in a biblical way we see this throughout church history we see this when martin luther and the um in the reformation it was going back to the bible and back to exegesis and the study of the bible that brought about the the um reformation for where where they martin luther and so on and then john calvin after um came and studied the word of god and saw that um no we have drifted from god's word let's get back to the bible and in that way we get back to god and and when he wrote his 95 thesis as it were and pinned it on the door um it was a statement declaring the truth as it is in jesus and um and the justification by faith alone but the faith that saves is not alone 
and he was expelled and excommunicated from the, the church, the Catholic church at the time, or the system at the time, I should more say, because the, biblical, the true biblical church is Catholic in the sense of universal, but not Roman in that sense. And, um, and, and then there's where the Reformation started and Martin Luther, Martin Luther was more, a te- I mean, John Calvin was a teacher and he came and they really hammered the word of God. And out of that came what is called Protestantism, the Protestant church. We protested against the system that existed and, and, and that is where the truth of God. So every generation has this crisis where we gradually drift away from God's word and we have to get back to the word. So my task or my mission tonight is to use selective scriptures and, and address again the issue of homosexuality. Um, so um, homosexuality according to God, the seriousness of homosexuality. Um, it is called the, you know, the um, SOGI is the acronym for Sexual Orientation and Gender Identity. And, um, and so is the LGBTQ, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and questioning. Um, now, new research underlines a consistent trend. Lesbian, gay, and transgender teens are at increased risk of suicide. A recent study by the LGBTQ suicide statistics found that adolescents aged 12 to 14 who identify as lesbian, gay, and bisexual and or transgender are more likely to die by suicide than heterosexual teens of the same age. The researchers concluded that one out of four pre and early teen uh, suicides were among LGBTQ youth. Moreover, suicide rates among older LGBTQ um, youths are also higher than rates among heterosexual teens. The research published in early 2019 comes on the heels of a 2018 review study that found LGBTQ teenagers overall and their three overall are three times as likely to attempt suicide as their heterosexual peers. In combination, the research sheds light on the critical importance of ensuring that LGBTQ teens receive ongoing support and access to mental health care. Support in the sense of preventing them from from going over the edge. Now, um, based on, before I go into the actual um, selected scriptures, I came upon um, uh, uh, the Lord's Prayer, it is states here, by a 15-year-old high school child who got an A plus for this entry um, concerning the the Lord's Prayer. Not the Lord's Prayer, but his view of it in in contemporary terms, in the context of um, 
of the present moral decadence in our society. Here, here's how it reads. It is stated that the Lord's Prayer, yeah, it says, the Lord's Prayer is not allowed in most U.S. public schools anymore. And this, this, this child is from Minnesota, and, and, and the child writes the following. Now as I sit me down in school, we are praying is against the rule. For this great nation under God finds mention of him very odd. If scripture now, the class recites, it violates the Bill of Rights. And anytime my head I bow becomes a federal matter now. Our hair can be purple, orange, or green. That's no offense. It's a freedom scene. The law is specific. The law is precise. Prayers often spoken aloud are a serious vice. For praying in a public hall might offend someone with no faith at all. In silence alone, we must meditate. God's name is prohibited by the state. We are allowed to cuss and dress like freaks and pierce our noses and tongues and cheeks. They are not outlawed guns. They have not outlawed guns, but first, the Bible. To quote the good book makes me liable. We can elect a pregnant senior queen and the unwed dad of a senior king. It's inappropriate to teach right from wrong. We are taught that such judgments do not belong. We can get our condoms and birth controls, study witchcraft, vampires, and totem poles. But the Ten Commandments are not allowed. No word of God must reach this crowd. It's scary here, I must confess, when chaos reigns and schools a mess. So Lord, this silent plea I make, should I be shot, my soul please take. Amen. That is serious. And it echoes the condition that a child understands and sees. Thank God for such a sentiment stated here. So true. Um, now, someone will tell you, and the, one of the biggest arguments or discussions in the, in the YouTube community, among, even among Christians and, and these um, homosexuals, is that um, Jesus never mentioned anything about homosexuals or homosexuality. In fact, T.D. Jakes and others would state when questioned that you know, um, and even out of um, out of you know, certain churches like Elevation churches and so on, um, they state that you know Jesus was more concerned with social issues and and so on and kindness and all that stuff, and that is true. Yes, and 
if you ask the question, did Jesus mention anything about homosexuality? So why are you making a big deal about it? You know, it, it, it is, if Jesus didn't teach it, then why are you emphasizing it? The first argument they put forth is that it's no longer found in the Gospels in Jesus. But I would respond, and we should respond as Christians and say, and those who are listening on podcasts, if you, you, you need to understand this, um, yes, Jesus did address homosexuality in Matthew 5 and Matthew 19, when he talks about marriage, drawing, he's drawing reference from Genesis 2, when he states that marriage is between a man and a woman. And so marriage was for male and female, not two males, not two females. And um, for the purpose of procreation, illustration, and sanctification. I mentioned this in some months ago in another sermon. God is the author of marriage, not man. God defines marriage, not man. And so mankind, therefore, does not have the right to introduce same-sex marriages, nor same-sex relationships, or same-sex relationships. Homosexuality, homosexuality, homosexual marriage, by definition, is not marriage, but something else. Homosexuality goes against what God defines as marriage or a proper relationship between male and female. Um, it's important that when it talks about um, procreation, you cannot have female and female, male and male procreating. So it's a death sentence on generations instead of giving life. Secondly, it illustrates the, um, the importance of the relationship between Christ and the church, according to Ephesians chapter 5. And um, so that's what marriage does. And the Bible talks about the bride and the groom and so on. Thirdly, it speaks about sanctification or the sacredness of the, of the sexual relationship between male and female. Marriage is honorable and the bed is undefiled. And so God is pro-sex in the right way as he designed it. And these modern people are trying to redefine, redefine what it means to have sexuality. It's not what is between your legs, it's what in, in your mind and your thinking and your choices. And this itself, as we can see the stats, why is it that the stats in su suicide and so on is so high? And, and the, the reason is because it is, it, is a, it is a death type of lifestyle. And it makes one go against one's deeper design. And it's manifested in that kind of, of situation. I will give some more stats later on in this, in this um, exposition. And so, um, the bigger issue here, though, if one comes and says that Jesus did not speak directly about that, Jesus did not mention about um, pedophilia, Jesus doesn't mention that by the word, the psychomosexual. But here's a deeper issue, and this is the most important thing here. Um, Jesus is a member 
of the Godhead or the Trinity. And so if God is the author of the Bible, which God is, then Jesus is the author of the Bible too. And so Jesus and the Father, the Father and the Son, they are in agreement with everything. And if if um if if the father the word of God speaks against it, then Jesus also speaks against it because all scripture is God breathed. And the God is Father, Son, and Spirit. Not three gods, but one God in three persons. And so Leviticus 18, verses 22 to 23, the whole of Leviticus there, that chapter speaks of the the um the, the, the all the, the catalog or the encyclopedia of, of sexual sins. And in chapter 20 of Leviticus, that chapter speaks of the consequences of those sins. And in that statement in, in, in Ecclesiastes, in Leviticus, I should say, chapter 18, um, the Bible, God says, I am the Lord. After almost every statement, I am the Lord. So there is God stamping his, his name, his very nature and character against these sins. You see, they knew that you was the Lord, but this is the Lord saying this. This is not some concept coming out from somewhere else. And Leviticus chapter 18, verses 22 and 23, this is what it says. Do not have sexual relationships with a man as one does with a woman. This is detestable. Verse 23. Do not have sexual relationships with an animal and defile yourself with it. A woman must not present herself to an animal to have sexual relationships with it. This is a, a perversion and a distortion of what it means to be human. So bestiality, homosexuality, the word of God condemns all of these kinds of lifestyle. In 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 to 6, it says, For if God did not spare the angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, um, putting them in chains. Tartarus is a, is a word used there, um, um, of darkness to be held for judgment. Verse 5, if he did not spear the ancient world when he brought the flood on its ungodly people, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others. So therefore, this generation, we have to be preachers and teachers of righteousness, okay? And the next section here says, verse 6, If he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them to ashes and made them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. And of course, no matter how people try to write books and and work around and try to reinterpret um, these texts. It is it was homosexuality that was the main reason for the this statement. And God made a geographical statement too, because from my understanding that that is where the Dead Sea is right now. And um, and so God, another passage talks about if um. If God does not judge his generation, then it's as if God would have to um, um, 
repent of what he has done to other generations before. And so the, the essence there of what I'm saying is that we will not escape this serious judgment. This generation will not. And so unless we are saying that Jesus is different, has a different opinion than on the issue of the father, then we can say anything. But Jesus is author of the Bible. And so therefore, every teaching of the Bible against homosexuality is a teaching from Jesus. In fact, I go as far to say that the apostles and, and who wrote um, the, the New Testament and the epistles, the didactic and teaching epistles um, to the churches back then and for us now, um, those are the apostles of Jesus. Paul said, I'm an apostle of Jesus. And so when Paul writes about and against um, homosexuality, it is he's, he's pushing forth the teachings of Jesus. So yes, Jesus did address homosexuality in the sense and in the deeper sense and in a comprehensive and specific sense as, as, as I stated here just now. Now, another point too is to, to make it even relevant to our setting here. Many books are now being written by homosexuals who are so-called Christians, that's what they say, um, to try and redefine, go to all of these texts and, and try to redefine what they mean um, to justify the homosexual teaching. Well, back in Jesus's time, the, um, the religious leaders tried to do that with the Old Testament scriptures. They tried to reinterpret what God's word was saying. And Jesus came and we see it in the book of Matthew 2 and, and other places, Matthew chapter 5. And Jesus would say, say, it has been said. That means this is your interpretation. But Jesus would clarify and says, but I say, because he is a living word, but I say, Jesus brought right the proper interpretation to the Old Testament, and he's doing that today through the Spirit of God and the sound teaching of God's word. So I can say now, many of our contemporaries who are saying now, it has been said, or, or they are saying now, I can now say it, 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 it has been said, or it is being said, based upon what modern Christians and modern leaders are saying, even on YouTube. But I come now with the word of God and say, but I, Jesus, say, I'm quoting what Jesus is saying here in context, um, the biblical teaching of homosexuality. The Bible condemns homosexuality. T.D. Jakes on homosexuality lumps, and others too, um, they lump our moral issues with the moral issues. They are not the same. They'll make a statement and say, well, racism guys against racism and all of these things and then they will lump um the um homosexuality in it or homosexuals in it they're not the same we're talking about moral issues ethical issues here and so um td jakes even goes further in an interview and said that um that we are not god to judge of course we can make righteous judgment we can tell something if it's right or wrong. 
And, and, and if the Bible speaks against it, then we can speak against it. That's not making judgment. And the judgment call there is found in, in Matthew chapter 7, where it talks about if we are to make judgment, we must be careful that we are not guilty of what we are judging others of ourselves. The moat and the beam are motif there. So, you know, we can make right judgment based upon the word of God. So he's wrong in saying that. We can judge righteous judgment in stating what is right from wrong based upon the truth as revealing God's word. God is angry. Well, God loves sinners. We always say, but let me look at some. God is angry with the sinner. It's a, it's a righteous indignation. Yes. You know, if you are doing something when I love you, I'll be angry with you because you're doing that wrong. Psalm 7 verse 11 says, God judges the righteous in the sense of discipline. And God is angry with the wicked every day. It is a loving anger, yes, that tells the truth to rescue the sinner, rescue that person, whatever lifestyle they have, from the danger. What danger? The danger, the greatest danger is not AIDS. The greatest danger is not SARS nor COVID-19. The greatest danger is hell and the wrath of God to come. And so our text, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Verse 9, as I read it again, do not, do you not know? In other words, Paul is saying, you should know this, that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God. That means that there is a standard, and we need to understand what that means. Do not be deceived. That is what the text is saying here. Do not be deceived. And we are being deceived and leaders who are trying to tiptoe around this issue, they are being deceived. What is God's desire for homosexuals? Verse 11. Let me clarify this here, lest you think that I'm just coming down with anger and wrath. Let me clarify. What is God's desire for, for, for homosexuals? We see it in verse 11 of 1 Corinthians 6. It states that such were, were, not the past tense, such were some of you. So the Corinthians were, some of the, those among the Corinthians were, were homosexuals at one time. Not the past tense, such were some of you. But now you're saved. How they are saved? He says you're washed. You're sanctified. You're justified. That means you're saved. So when one comes to faith in Jesus Christ, any person in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. We are God's new humanity in Christ, transformed by the power of God through the Spirit. So this text, no matter what anyone tells you, how can you have a homosexual Christian, a homosexual living a lifestyle, Christian, a Christian living a homosexual lifestyle? That is what you hear people are saying these days. But according to this text, Paul says, such were some of you. That means you are not that anymore. You, you have not 
You're not living that, that homosexual lifestyle. You're not a homosexual anymore once you come to faith in Jesus Christ. Such were some of you. And what has happened? You're washed inside, not outside baptism we're talking about, but inside, because you can be washed outside and not trained inside. You're sanctified. You're set apart, sacrosanct. You're justified. God has set you right and declared you righteous because of Jesus Christ and forgiving of all your sins. In this list of verses 9 and 10 in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, God gives us an idea of the kinds of people who are in the Corinthian church and who were delivered from these sins. All the list of them, they are including the homosexuality. Um, um, they were delivered from such sins. Such were some of you. It tells of the power of God to deliver people from such practices and lifestyle. Who you want to go to church? Who you, you let me ask this question, I should say. Do you want to go to a church? Would you want to go to a church of ex-adulterers, ex-homosexuals, ex-idolaters, ex-effeminate, ex-drunkards, ex-thieves, or ex-kleptomaniacs, dear, dear, ex-cursors, um, pilgrim church, the church at I pastor, like the church at Corinth, where these things and our society is populated with these, these people, they were like th these things. Maybe some of us might, were not homosexuals. I was not, and others were not, but some of us were, and, and, and the list of all those things there. So God is not just isolating the homosexual alone, but a list of other things. And what about the adulterers? You know, um, we um, the last sin that people don't talk about much is is pedophilia. You know, the, the, that that is so terrible. Um, we, we we go against that even, but others, but even within homosexuality, the highest rate among there too. I'm going to show you some stats in a moment. And so. The point I'm making, brethren and friends, is that here in this text of verse 11, you see the power of God to deliver people. Homosexuals are redeemable. They are redeemable. And so um, every church, you see people who are converted, the saints in Christ, you're saved not from only different nations and different colors and races, but you're saved from different lifestyles and different practices right across the board. And that's where I've entered now and become citizens of the kingdom of God. However, now to the present problem of our decadent tolerance, so to speak. Homosexuality is now being reclassified as a non-sin to our normal to a normal behavior i'm just bringing you to the kind of trend 
and mental conditioning that is happening right now, which we need to wake up. Homosexuality is now being reclassified. That is so true as a non-sin to a normal behavior. Not only as a normal behavior, but as a notable behavior because of how you are made and the so-called guts you have now to come forth. So God is being blamed for this because that's how God made you. No, 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 no. We're born in sin. And, 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 and sin is, is a curse and a fall. Um, God doesn't make us like this. We, we sinned and, and perverted ourselves like this. And so note that sin has distorted all our desires and feelings, including our sexuality and our sexual feelings. Sin has distorted that. Sexual feelings are natural and good. God gave you that so you can gravitate to, um, to another person, the opposite sex, and, and have a relationship for procreation. And even the sexual organ itself, let me go so far, and it's designed for pleasure. You know, um, the male and the female, you know, the, there is the, let me get even clarified, the, the, um, the, the, the clitoris is in Latin for key. It, it's a pleasure and the head of the man's penis is the same thing. All of those are pleasures and yet still um, the, the, the blessings of that in many cases is to have offspring. But we don't just have sexual relationship with offspring alone. We have it for pleasure because we are all wired. We're wired for pleasure. But sin has distorted all of that. Has distorted it. And... Um, and, and, and so even the G spot, Ernst Grafenberg spot, all of those are pleasures and there's certain senses within our skin that is sensitive to sexual touch, a certain kind of touch, pressure, um, speed, and all of these things. And uh, that, that, that it's normally when you touch in that way, nothing will happen, but with a sexual arousal, it will happen. I'm gonna stop at that for in that area. But the point I'm making at, because of our fallenness, these things have been affected by sin, right? And so we need a biblical definition of sin. If not, then we will have no sense of a need to rescue those who are homosexuals. If they are okay, then nothing will be stated about it. And so all sin must be confronted, not just homosexual sin. All sins must be confronted. There is an assertive, aggressive, manipulative movement to appease the guilt of sin, especially homosexual sins. The subtle, insidious redefining of homosexuality to free them from guilt and accountability to a holy God. That is a problem. That's why the Bible says in, in, in um, Proverbs, without vision, the people perish, they run wild. And that means, as I always say, without a revelation of the nature and the character and the holy character of God, people have no frame of reference to what it means to be holy. There will be no standard given 
to mark, no absolute truth to make a demarcation between right and wrong. And so the Bible teaches quite clearly that, um, that um, God without vision, without um, clarity of the, or the preaching and the clarity of the nature of God as a frame of reference to what it means to be human and for what is right from wrong for our own good, then the people cast off restraint. And we see a casting off of restraint right now. They run wild. I hear ministers say that they know a lot of good homosexual friends who are Christians and they have good relationships with, 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 their, with their partners. Wrong! There's no good relationship there. The Bible says in Isaiah 5, woe to those who call wrong right and right wrong. Let's read Isaiah chapter 5. You see there, there are woes that are given out. And when God looked and found that he could not find anyone at all who could, 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 could um, stand up for the truth, he ended up in Isaiah chapter 6. And the revelation to Isaiah and the, 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 when he had an encounter with the Lord, the high and lifted up on his train, filled the temple. The glory of God filled the temple. The temple represents the, 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 the cosmos, so to speak, um, in, a, in a miniature form. And the glory of the God, the train, the glory of God filled the temple. Um, then and, and, and it shook. Why it shook it? Because God's presence, even creation, is in awe. And what is Isaiah? What does I say? Woe is me, for I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell among people of unclean lips. And God made the first move to him, put the coals on his lips and, and made him whole. And sent him to the nation. He said, this is what I'm going to tell you. And, 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 and when he told Isaiah the message, Isaiah got excited and maybe said, you know, boy, now God has shown up. And things are going to be different. But when he presented, God warned him and said, these people are you going to send it to, they'll be blinded, their ears will be deaf, they'll be stubborn and rebellious. And Isaiah said, but God, how long is this going to last? And then God told him some more things that is going to get worse. So we, 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 should, we, we should not get discouraged when these things seemingly are getting worse. But we should be faithful to God's word. This is a spiritual warfare for the minds and hearts of people. And so, the subtle, insidious redefining of homosexuality to free them from guilt and accountability to a holy God. However, this is producing more bondage and hopeless helplessness for the homosexual. That is why the suicide rate so high. Government funding and laws enabling and protecting them. Sitcoms in schools, the curriculum is being transformed as a clip that I showed earlier. Um, celebratory renaming of special days. You call gay pride there. There's nothing gay about that, and there's no pride in that. Political parties and homosexual rights. Rights? What? Right to sin? No. 
You have a right to be a person, but we have no right to sin. Societal societal desensitization of the seriousness of homosexuality, that's what we see happening here. If rights are given to the sinful lifestyle of homosexuality, then why not to other sins too? Like adulterers, give them rights then. And the list could go on, give them rights, give the, th- the, the thieves rights and all these things. They are all limited or lumped up there. More stats, 80% of homosexuals say half their partners are total strangers. 80% say that half their partners that they have been to are total strangers. The average homosexual has had over 500 sexual partners. 30% has had over a thousand different partners. The average has had 30, uh, 300 different partners per year. Almost one different partner per day. This is serious, brethren and friends. There are no boundaries. Animals don't live like this. Insects don't live like this. One in 20 is a child molester. The population average is one in 500 is a child molester. But the average among homosexuals is one in 20 is a child molester. 1,000 times more likely to get AIDS. 100% more likely to be murdered. 80% more likely to have sexual, sexually transmitted disease. The average proportion dies. The, the average um, person among them dies at the average person in our society, I should say dies at 75 years old, the average population person, dies at 75, the average person. The average homosexual dies at 39. Let me repeat that. The average population death is 75, barring accidents and so on. The average homosexual dies at 39. 2% of homosexuals live to be 65. It is it is societal enabled and blindingly suicidal. You see that even among them now, it's a death style, both from the suicide and statistics that I just stated. And the only thing that they now have to turn to is heterosexuals to get children and offspring to continue. They are after our children because they want to get the generation um, and condition them and confuse them. And so we need to pray, pray and storm the heavens. May God to change them, to change your heart because there's nothing too hard for God to do. He can change. He's able to save to the uttermost. And as um, one of our elders, the late elders said some years ago, 
and the, not only saved to the uttermost, but to the guttermost. Genesis 19, verses 1 to 11. God judges abomination to echo his holiness against this sin to all generations. I hinted earlier about in 2 Peter when I quoted that about um, Sodom and Gomorrah. You see it in Genesis 19, verses 1 to 11. It is there at the beginning, the first book of the Pentateuch, the Pentateuch, um, um, that God judges unholiness, the, the homosexuality as an abomination to echo his holiness against this sin to all generations. We see it again in the Pentateuch and Leviticus chapter 18. All those sins, why those sexual sins are so serious? Because they go to the very core of our genes, our generation. Romans chapter 1, verses 18 to 27. You can read it when you have time. But in particular, verses, verse 18 says that they, they knew the truth, but they, they suppressed it in unrighteousness, verse 18. In fact, we are told that the wrath of God is being poured out against all ungodliness, not only until the day to come, but it's being poured out right now. And we see it in, in, um, in, in, in AIDS and, and other debilitating conditions. We are told in Romans 8, 1, 18 that, and in Romans 1, 20, they are without excuse because God speaks through nature, not only um, the, the sign that the, 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 um, the heavens and declare the, the glory of God and so on, we see it in nature, but his, um, not his personality as such, but, 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 but the nature of God in the sense of his relationality, because everything is in nature is relational. And, and what causes nature to not work properly is when there's a relational deficit or a relational breakdown. That's why creation is groaning. And sin, is a disjunction. It's a dis. It's a dysfunctionality of relationality. The purest relationship is Father, Son, and Spirit, and then we are made in God's image and likeness. We are face creatures, and and so on. And so we have relationship with others. And so, therefore, once we sin, we distort that relationality. Every sin is a relational problem. You look at it. And that's why our relationship with God has to be right. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, right relationship with him, and then other, other things will fall into place. Love the Lord thy God. Love is a relational term. With all your heart, soul, mind, and so on, and then love thy neighbor as you love yourself. That is a relational, the whole relational context of our existence. In fact, the word exist is a relational term too. It's from the Latin ex, which means from and, and east means oneself. So the very existence of things is for the other. That's why everything is relational. And once sin comes in, once you, if you are to put on an island, just homosexuals, women, women, in fact, the word lesbos came about from my understanding of um, where in those days they used to put women 
And that's where the word lesbian came about because of, of this, this island called Lesbos. That is what I, I gathered. And, um, and so the point I'm making is that you put all men on an island and what will happen? You'll find after many generations, they'll all die off. Or if you put all homosexuals on an island by themselves, if the whole world was made up of homosexuals, guess what? All humanity would be extinct. It's not a lifestyle, it is a death style. But continuing on in verse 25 of Romans 1, we see it talks about um it, 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 it talks about it talks about their um they 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 exchange the truth for a lie. So there's a suppressing of the truth in Romans 1, verse 18. Romans 1 20, we see that everyone, no one has any excuse at all. Everyone has an accountability to God. And then in verse 25, we see that they not only um, suppress the truth, but exchange the truth. And we see this happening now. There's an exchange in the truth for a lie by twisting scriptures, by reinterpreting um, scriptures. And the Bible says that we must not um, use the scriptures for our own um, misinterpretation, for our own. God does not see, deceive. Whatever man sow, he shall, a person sow, they shall reap. If you sow to the sinful nature, you shall reap corruption. But if you sow to the spirit of God, you shall reap life eternal. And then in verse, verses, um, Romans 1 verses 26 and 20, 27. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. There's a giving up, the boundaries, and you, you, you sow to the, the wind, you shall reap the whirlwind. God gave them up. God forbid if, if society is given up now, may God forgive us. And, and hold and just, just show mercy on our society. Because when God gives up um, for this reason, and some people, they have crossed the boundary, they have, they have held their hand uh, as a, as a um, there's a sin in the Bible called the sin of the high hand, where this clenched fist, when the Bible talks about even in hell, they've been gnashing of teeth. And even with Stephen in Acts chapter 7, when he spoke the truth to them, they gnash their teeth upon him. The gnashing of teeth is, is, a, is, a, is, a, is a grinding anger and defiance against God. Dare you type of thing. And so we see that God gave them up for their women exchanged natural relationships for, for those who are contrary, that are contrary to nature. Verse 26 of Romans 1. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. We see it in Sodom and Gomorrah when they, the, the servants of the Lord came there, the evil came, even when they were blind. They were blinded and they were still coming at them in their blindness. That tells you how, 
how decadent and serious this is. This is no light thing. This is this demands serious prayer to to break this kind of stronghold at the deepest level. And we, and yet they are coming at our children in the schools, and you see the the demonic element behind all of that. And yet they want to take prayers out of schools and so on. And yet many of us as Christians, we don't even want to come to prayer meeting. Is there not a cause? Is there not a reason? God is looking for people who are after his own heart. And the Bible says here in, in, in verse 27 of Romans chapter 1, um, women um, consumeth passions for one another. Men committed shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. Receiving in themselves. What is that? I stated this recently to somebody and, and, and I said, could that be AIDS? Because AIDS is a retrovirus unlike other viruses. Now you might say, well, AIDS came from this and that and so on, but it is more prevalent in this community, in the homosexual community. I don't call it gay because I don't, that's not the word dear, homosexual or sodomy, the word of God says. We, 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 we are renaming things to live comfortably. We call adultery a fear. You know, we, we, um, the Bible, we call homosexuality gay lifestyle. No, it's not lifestyle. It's not life in that. It's death. And it's not, it's not, um, it's not um, nothing gay about that. Back then, songs used to have, have a gay time. This, even the language has been distorted. There's nothing to be proud and shame, disgusting before God. And it says here, in them receiving, receiving in himself because of a retrovirus. Normally, a normal virus would go just like a protein from um, DNA to RNA to protein. Different stages in between, you know, different kinds of RNAs, transcription RNA and messenger RNA and so on. But the general category from DNA to RNA to protein, that's how body operates. With a retrovirus, other viruses too, generally. But a retrovirus is the other way around. It moves from a protein to an RNA to the DNA. That's my understanding. My 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 wife's cousin is a is a doctor in the states, and he explained it to me like that. Um, trust I'm getting that right. And um, and it means that it, and in so doing, it can get into your DNA. So the AIDS virus can get into your actual DNA sequence. And so this text here, which says, um, receiving in themselves the due penalty of their error in their very being. You see, sexual sins affect us differently than other sins. All sin is sin, don't get me wrong. But sexual sin, there's no such thing as casual sex. And if you notice with the, with the homosexual lifestyle and you see the different partners and so on, that happens in heterosexuality too, but, but it's more so in the homosexual um, community. 
because there's no real satisfaction there at all. And it tells you the degree of decadence that has gone so far. God condemns this sin of homosexuality. And so let me just um, go through quickly now in the next few minutes, some exegetical context from 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. Um, the word, let me read it again. Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? This is God's word. It is written. If you want to deny that and, and throw it away, it stands written. Do not be deceived. That is a word. Do not be deceived. And the word deceived in the Greek is, um, is the word planao, P-L-A-N-A-O, planao, which means properly to go astray, to go off course, to deviate from the correct path, circuit or course, roaming into error, wandering, passively being misled into a, a, a particular pattern. In fact, this word is rooted in the English term. We get to our English word planet from this. Strange. No, planet is not deceived, but the, the etymology of the word itself means to wander onto, into, just wander, drift into, into openness, as it were, drift into darkness, if you may. Um, this is where the word planet, English word planet came from. A wandering body. This term nearly always conveys the sin of roaming into and away from the path that God has set for us as humans, that it will be well with us. And the words now sexually, sexual immoral, sexually immoral is the word um, pornos. We get our word pornography from. And the word pornos means to sell off to trade one's self, right? In other words, is to gain from the other instead of just giving as true love would do, is to make a profit from somebody. It's not just a financial profit, but a devious, lossful profit. There's no profit in that, actually. It's a deficit, but in the sense of you drawing from the others and taking. And so the word prostitute, not properly a male prostitute. It was used of a male prostitute more in the Old Testament, but it also is, is the oldest trade right, right now. In the New Testament, any fornicate, the word fornicate is pornia. Even in the book of Job, of, of, of Judah, I should say, um, the word um, talk about the angels who did not keep their first estate, but have sexual relationships with, with other humans and so on. The Greek word used here is not just pornia, but ek pornia. It's prefixed by the preposition ek, which means from. It means from the, um, instead of with human beings, these are other beings having relationship outside of their realm of being into another type or kind of being. That is at the, at the, at the angelic level, that is a distortion of what they were pro provided for or, or created for. Those are sinful angels. The word angel just means messenger. So when somebody say, oh, the person is like an angel, we have to be careful because you can have evil angels. In the word angel, angelos means messenger. The angel of the Lord is a good messenger. 
But the angel of the devil is a demon, like a bad messenger, an evil messenger. So let's, the word is a neutral word and how you use it is determine um, what it means. So we have to be careful not to use that word too loosely. And so the word, um, the word here for sexual immoral, that's what it means, pornos. Anyone engaging in sexual immorality. And it's a wide spectrum that includes bestiality, adultery, and so on. And it says here, adulterers, it's in the list there too. No, the words translated as practice homosexuality in, the, um, in, in, in some versions include two Greek words. In fact, there are two Greek words here. And um, I must clarify them, it's very important. One of the Greek words, malakoi, M-A-L-A-K-O-I, um, speak, speaks about, and the other word, arkenoskokoi, arkenoskotoi, um, means, respectively, it means and indicates the passive and active participants in same-sex or sexual behavior. Our sen koi, boy, that word, that Greek word is difficult to explain. I'll spell it for you. A-R-S-E-N-O-K-O-I-T-A-I. That, that even the word itself is, 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 um, is a twister. Um, respectfully, respect, respectively, it means to indicate the passive and active participants in the sexual relation. But the first word has to do with passive. That means the receiver, the, the, the person playing the role of the receiver. And um, as a woman, so to speak, and the second word emphasizes um, the, the, the giver, as it were. In some translation, it's translated effeminate. Malakos is translated effeminate, soft, effeminate. And that is the one who is like the female within that kind of lifestyle. Malakos was a person who was the female role receiving um, in the same act of homosexuality. And it was used in the old Roman and, and Greek context of, of young boys who um, homosexuals used to get and, um, and, and use them and treat them as, um, as, as the receiving as it were. Um, and so the other word now um, is broken up into the first part of the word, our hen, which means a male, um, and the other part of the word, koite, K-O-I-T-E, koite, which means a mat or a bed, or in our English we call a cot, right? Properly, the man in bed with another man, a homosexual. Homo is a Latin word, well, Latin means same and sex, right? Um, um, so it means to bed a man like how you would bed a woman, like how a man would bed a woman. This um, second word um, is a compound word. And it means a male and a mat and a bed. Put the two words um, together 
And the word means a male bed. That is a person who makes use of a male only bed or a bed for males alone. Um, and, um, and truthfully, that's all the information we need to understand the intent of 1 Corinthians 6 verse 9. That the word here means bed carries sexual connotations in this context. And the Greek, as I said, I mean, we get a word cut from. And, and we get our English word coitus from coitus, coitus, C-O-I-T-U-S, which means sexual intercourse. And, um, and so you put it together, it means to have sexual intercourse with a, with a male. And, and even in a woman context, the same homosexual lesbian is classed into that too. And so the conclusion is that the word here, the second word is referring to homosexuals, men, who are in bed with other men engaging in the same gender sexual activity. Um, and so the same too with women doing the same thing too. Um, first Romans chapter one, verse 27, verses 26 and 27, lumps both the female and the male in the same context. So right through scriptures, you see that the word homosexual and, um, and lesbianism and all of the connotations that go along with that are against the word of God. And so how then should we treat them? Well, let me make a few points here. First of all, we must pray for them because Jesus Christ died for the homosexual, okay? Jesus Christ died for the homosexual just as he died for others. And we have to pray for our children. We have to pray for our children that they will know what sin is. You know, one of the things in, in, as Christians, we, we, we don't talk about sin with our children enough. They need to know what sin is. Children need to know what sin is because you're discovering all kinds of things. I am, I'm talking about these things to my grandchildren as I did to my children. And, and so they, they must be responsible. We need to pray for them. Um, this is what Job did in Job chapter one, when Job prayed for um, his children, you know? Um, and when they went out and he prayed that, 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 that they sin sin in their hearts. And he offered sacrifices for them. We need to pray for our children because we do not know what's going on in their hearts. We do not know what, what inclinations they may have, what influences they may have. And so when they are on their own, the word of God will remain with them, the absolute truth of God's word. And so we not only must pray, but prevail in teaching. And, and preaching the truth to our children. They are the next generation. And don't be apologetic at all. We need to take a serious stance against homosexuality. It is a sin that is invading the church, I must say. And the second thing is that when we're dealing with homosexuals, um, because you, we should deal with them, we should not just um, ditch them, 
Um, Jesus Christ came not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved and that they might believe. And so you do not condemn the, the homosexual. You pray for the homosexual, share the gospel out of love, but you condemn the lifestyle, you condemn the sin, you speak against it. And you, you tell them that God is angry with you with a, a loving anger because he, he does not want you to, um, to, to be hurt and damaged. He did not design you for that. And sin, all sins, any kind of sin is always damaging. There's not a sin that does not create damage. And you need to warn the homosexual too about Romans chapter 2 and verse 5, which talks about that those who reject the word of God, they are heaping up, storing up wrath against the, the day of wrath, for the day of wrath. A day of wrath is coming. And the word of God said that homosexuals are not in the kingdom of God. So if you are dealing with a homosexual, and they say that they are saved and they are in the kingdom of God, then that is in a contradiction to the word of God. Anyone in Christ is a new creation, the old is gone, the new has come. And we have to pray for our own hearts and minds when we have to deal with homosexuals and homosexuality because we can err in softening up things. And so we need to speak with seriousness with tenderness at the same time, with mercy and grace, and have and have that delicate balance of holding them and trying to protect them from their sins by telling them the truth. And it means that we need to go back to the character of God, the nature of God. We need to go back to do go those texts that um, that deal with sin, as I am stated here. And, you know, you don't have to drop any big Greek word on them because, you know, I'm rusty with my Greek right now. A lot of Greek words we can't explain. But the point is that it is what it is. You understand the meaning of the word. And that is the most important thing. The Bible, nowhere in the Bible, supports homosexuality and the homosexual lifestyle. But everywhere in the Bible, Jesus Christ died and the homosexual is redeemable, no matter how far gone. And there are homosexuals who have come to faith in Jesus, and they are reaching other homosexuals too. And again, our text, I close with this. Our text clearly states in 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 11, it says, such were some of you, but now you're washed you're sanctified, you're justified by the power of God through the spirit of Jesus Christ. And so we thank God that the final thing is that, oh, my intention of sharing these, these words here is for us to have a clear understanding and there's much more we could go into too, into individual texts, especially Leviticus 18, but enough to remind us and to clarify that the Bible is clear, uncompromisingly so, that homosexuality is wrong. But clear also that the homosexual is redeemable.
based upon 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 to 11. Father, we thank you for your word. Pray that as I share your word and as your word has gone forth, that we will leave with something, some tools, some understanding of how to pray, how to approach, how to intercede, and how to dialogue and to reach out to homosexuals, that they too can experience what some of those Corinthians experience in verse 11 of 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Such were some of you. That is so important. But now, such were, but now. There's a past, but now we're not. Not homosexuals anymore. We're not um, adulterers anymore. We are not all of those things because we're now in the kingdom of God through the forgiveness and the power of salvation. If God can do it for us, he can do it for others, including the homosexuals. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.